Man, there is already this morning this tremendous presence. I believe we are in a new day. I believe that as a people, we've crossed a threshold as a church. I believe that we're entering into uh, a realm of the kingdom of God on earth that we've never seen. And it's going to increase and increase and increase and increase. And I got news to you. It's been increasing. It's been increasing since the days of the first apostles. As John said that the true light is already shining and the darkness is passing away. So, Lord, we want to say today... Thank you that the darkness is passing away. Thank you that you are purging us from the darkness. You are cleaning, cleansing, cutting away our connection to this present world, our dependency on this world, our love for this world. Oh, God, come, I say, come and change us. Come and transform us by your presence this morning, Lord. We say you are our only hope. Shine your light. Can you stand up with me? Can you begin to reach out to the Lord? God, we want to be changed. Lord, overwhelm us with how wonderful and great you are this morning. Overwhelm me today, Lord. <laughs> Overwhelm us with how good you are. Paul writes, it says, the creation is groaning. It's groaning. It's longing for something. You know what it's longing for? The final stage of redemption. The last chapter. When the book closes... In the last phase of the redemption of creation and mankind, the nations, comes to pass. That anticipation, desire, expectation has been seeded into creation. And creation is ugh, groaning. All of creation is groaning. But more importantly, he says... And we too, we too groan. Whether you realize it or not, that same deep desire is inside of you. Bringing it to the surface. Giving it a voice, giving it expression is entering into the ground, the intercession of creation. <sighs> the summary of everything you think you need is contained in the ground. If you think when you pray, pray, God, protect my kids. God, give me a new job. God, take care of my finances. When you release the groan for his kingdom to come and fill the earth, 
It contains all of the conceivable prayers your heart could desire or utter. Uh, so as a spiritual son and daughter, got to say, listen, let the groan come forward in your being because it's part of a birthing that's happening. Step by step by step, there's a birthing happening since the day Jesus rose from the dead all through the age of the church. There's a birthing. We don't change the world by perfecting behavior. We change the world by birthing things which are unseen. Calling those things which are not as though they are. Releasing into the realm of the earth the knowledge of God that says he shall have dominion from sea to sea. From sea to sea. From sea to sea. Can you see it? Canada. I see province after province lighting on fire. I see towns stopped by the Holy Spirit. Just like happened in Guatemala, it's been done. Entire towns stopped by the Spirit of God. I see meetings entirely interrupted by the Holy Ghost. I see church upon church, regardless of denomination, on their knees waiting for God. And it's not just Sunday. I see the clock put aside as the people of God wait on the Lord. I see the people of God bending heaven towards earth. The desire of the people so desperate for God bending heaven closer to earth. I see Parliament interrupted by the Holy Ghost. I see provincial legislatures halted by the Holy Spirit's appearance. I see business meetings in high places, suddenly terrified by the presence of God. God, I'm asking that you would release the tsunami. The increase from down here automatically up to here. The wall of glory to come and sweep across this land. I'm asking for the wall of glory to come and sweep across this city. I'm asking for the wall of glory to come and sweep across this people. I see now lines and cords being attached from the earth unto a great structure in heaven. And I say right now, turn on the winches, pull down the structures of heaven, let them come. Your spirit is stronger than any walls that we have built up in our lives, God. Your spirit is coming and it's going to break down those walls, God. Your kingdom is coming and it's going to break down those walls of disappointment, those walls of fear, those walls of anxiety, those walls of doubt. Your spirit is coming like a flood. Your spirit is coming like a flood, oh God, upon this earth, oh God. And as we cry out to you, God, your spirit comes. Your spirit comes with the faith that you give us, Lord, to cry out to you. And as we cry out to you as a body, God, as we cry out to you as a body of believers, you are coming. 
to perfect those things in our lives, Lord, that need perfecting, oh God. You are coming, Lord, to drop that faith into our hearts that we can believe for mighty things from the hand of God, that we can believe for things we've never believed for before, that we can believe for miracles, that we can believe for everything, God, that you have put in our heart, oh God, that those things will come to pass, oh God. And God, whatever the circumstances are, God, that you are bigger than every circumstance, oh God, and I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you that the walls are coming down. Your spirit is coming in like a flood. It is raising up that standard, and I thank you for that, Lord. Bless your name, oh God, forever and ever and ever. I want to declare today that Sunday is no longer going to be an interruption of all of our fun activities, but Sunday is what we're going to live for. I'm asking you, I'm saying today, Lord God, that you are going to change in our hearts. That all we'll think about all week is how we can give you worship and praise. That everything else will be an interruption. That you will become our obsession. That we will desire you more than bread itself. Oh God, I say that today. You're going to come and reach into our hearts. And you're going to give us vision. And you're going to show us what's real and what's nothing. I ask you, Lord God, that today you will change our desires. We want you. We want to be awake when you come. We want to be one of those virgins that have oil. Oh, God, break in today. I ask that you will break in today. I ask that you will break in today. We want to have you. God, I pray that we would give you dominion in our lives, Lord, that every area of our lives you would have dominion, that others would see the dominion that you have in our lives, Lord. It would be in our work, in our families, in our every area of our lives, Lord, and it would overflow so that others around us can see the dominion, Lord, that you have in our lives, Lord, that we would surrender everything to you, Lord, and hold nothing back, Lord, that this generation would come forth and be a willing generation, a generation to come forth and stand for what is pure, what is holy, confirm about the First Nations years ago the Lord gave me a vision and I saw a huge mouth and a huge belly and within this belly it represented a stronghold over the First Nations people and it was holding the people within its belly <coughs> but the power of God come upon this mouth and belly to cause it to convulse to cause it to thrust but to cause it to vomit out to spew out the First Nations people I saw them come out with their skin was milky white because they had been in the belly of this thing for a long time but then the, they began to rise up in the things of God and then the Lord laid upon their heart for the white man the Lord laid upon their heart for the rest of the nation there's something that God has set within the First Nations people for this nation. And I just want to confirm that. But we want to declare <laughs> your purpose, your plan over the nations, in, over this house, 
He said, my house will be a house of prayer. Father, thank you for the reality in our confession, for the authenticity in our faith. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us to the place where we're praying on earth with heavenly conviction. Let it increase. Let it increase in me. Let it increase in us. Let it increase in this place. In Jesus' name. He said, amen. Let's shout. Shout to the Lord. Let me just say this about the First Nations. I want you to know that God has a plan for the redemption of all the peoples of the earth. But we need to have a different way that we look at the oppressed peoples. And I know, you know, uh, people get frustrated with any kind of problematic person. You, you start working with an alcoholic who keeps falling back you know, there comes a time when you want to just write them off. And we don't have that prerogative on any level. Uh, but let me, so let me share this. And I've written about this. I can't remember the name of the article. But the proverb says, the adulteress hunts the precious life. And I heard a sermon by David Wilkerson back in the 1980s when I was graduating from Christ for the Nations. And he basically brought this message that, that the enemy attacks what is most dangerous to him and what is most precious to God. And so when you look around the globe, if you look at any people group or any nation, uh, the ones most oppressed, the ones most embroiled in darkness are the ones that the enemy is most afraid of and contain the most important keys for the end times church. And among them are the First Nations sprinkled all around the globe. You go to Taiwan, they're there. You go to Australia, they're there. You go to New Zealand, they're there. You go to, uh, of course, Africa and places like that, you know. But the what we would call the indigenous people. You go to Guatemala, they're indigenous people, and they share interesting similar characteristics. It's like they're a people group that are spread all around the face of the earth, and they tie into the destiny of nations. And I believe this. I believe that when we as a church find the key to unlock their destiny, that we unlock our own destiny. And so God has created this amazing system whereby we will not be perfected without them. Even as those who have died and gone on to heaven and are great clouds of witnesses looking, even as they are not perfected or finished without us. And so 
uh, change, if you have a negative view of First Nations, oh, you know, they've had every opportunity, or French Canadians, or uh, Middle Easterners. Let me tell you, I, I was just in, uh, well, of course, I was in Munich at the gathering last fall, and I heard this song, we sang this song that came out of oppression of, you know, the ISIS attacking and destroying and killing. This song of the martyrs, it was a song of joy. I've never felt anything like it in my life. I've never heard a sound come out of a people that is so beautiful of, with joy. Well, where does that sound come from? It comes out of the precious. And we need that sound. And it's coming. And you know what? It's going to be greater in significance than the sound maybe that we're carrying right now. But God is bringing the redemptive power of the gospel back to Jerusalem. And between where it is right now, where it seemed to stop in Europe and other places of influence, it has stopped at the Middle Eastern peoples. They are the next people group, and it's happening right now. Massive th salvation by the tens of thousands happening amongst the Muslim peoples, partially because they're disillusioned with what they're seeing their own people and themselves doing. But Jesus is revealing. You watch what comes out of the Muslim world in terms of evangelists. We need to be prepared for that. And then when the Jews finally, and they're getting close, they're getting really close, when they turn, the, the, the reserve that's hidden in them as a people, watch out, watch out. It'll be for the blessing of the whole world, us included. Hallelujah. So don't be discouraged. God has an amazing plan. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the earth. Thank you for how you're aligning us. Let me just say one more thing. A lot of, not a lot of you probably have liturgical backgrounds in terms of your church experience. But if you struggle at all with the spontaneousness of our worship, if you struggle at all with the unrefinedness of our prayers, I want to ask you, when a man is expressing passionate how much he loves a woman, and he's doing it with perfect English poetic sound, which is more real, the guttural, unrefined expressions of passion or the rehearsed, articulate symmetry of, the, of a poem? Which is better? The one that's more real is better. And what God is doing over the, over the generations of the church is he moving us to a place of more real faith. And no matter what you think the enemy may have succeeded in dismantling down through the stages of the history of the church, he only succeeded in dismantling what God hadn't built, that which was not finished, in order that God might build something more perfect in the next generation.
And then that was that was infiltrated so that God could bring something better and better and better. Hallelujah. Until God has a church over which the gates of hell cannot prevail. Then you know he's done. So apply that to your own life this morning. God, am I done yet? I don't know. Do the gates of hell ever overcome you? Do you ever find, find yourself feeling and thinking and acting in ways that are not consistent with your faith? You've, have you been overcome by an atmosphere, an attitude, behavior? Well, then you're not done either. We're not done. So God, finish what you've begun. Finish what you've begun. Finish what you've begun. And we want to say we put no confidence today in the flesh. We put no confidence in our our perfect prayers. We put no confidence in our, our pristine behaviors. And Lord, we put no confidence in our ability to dress ourselves in decorum, spiritual or otherwise. We say, Lord, bring forth salvation from the, from the depths, from the fountain of our spirits. Let it manifest in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you heard of the parable of the sower? Okay, well, that's a silly question. How many of you not heard of the parable of the sower? Okay, good. So we're on. The parable of the sower is a, a kind of a key parable. And uh, just for reference sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on it. Because uh, despite the fact that I know we, we generally know it, let's quickly touch on it. It says, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of, of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the disciples did not understand this. So they came to Jesus and they said to him, uh, really, you know, uh, explain to us this. And, but also they generally had a question. They had a question like, why do you speak in parables? Now, I, wanna, I know I've said this before, but I know there are some in the midst that still do not believe me. Jesus did not speak in parables to make things clear. Let me say that again. Jesus did not speak in parables so that people can understand what he says. You know, oh, it's an agricultural community, so he's giving agricultural illustrations for spiritual truths. That way they understand. No, the opposite. He shared in parables so that they would not understand. How's that for a teaching style? <laughs> Let me confuse you. Let me obscure my meaning. Why? Why does he do this? Because understanding, the ability to understand, comes from the heart. The conditions of the heart 
enable you to apprehend what Jesus is saying. And, I mean, we can look at that. If you, actually, just read the Bible. Seriously. Read especially John if you want to understand that. I mean, uh, Jesus really went out of his way to make sure people who didn't understand continued to not understand. What? That's, that's his conclusion at the end of the parable. You can read the explanation of the parable. And at the end, he says this thing about, you know, uh, he says, to whom much has, much more will be given. And he that does not have what he has will be taken away. That's the conclusion of this parable. He's basically saying the kingdom of God will speed up that process. It'll cause the haves to have more and the not haves to have less. But it's based on the right criteria. That's what justice is. It's based on the right criteria. And the right criteria is faith. The right criteria is a believing pure heart. So God has created the conditions in the earth such that if your heart is not pure, you will understand less. If your heart is not pure, you will not have the capacity to believe the ways others can believe. Because at the end of the day, the objective is to change the heart. God wants to change your heart. Not explain things to you. Because you need a capacity to understand, otherwise the explanation is in vain. Remember when the guy with the healed eyes, right, is explaining his miracle to the Pharisees? And he said, uh, how did he do this? Well, he put spit in my eye with mud. Are you sure you were blind? Is there parents here? Is there somebody who can vouch for this guy? Oh, yeah, that's our son. So, yeah, okay, so this doesn't make sense. How, how did he heal your eyes? He spit on the ground, mixed it up, put it in my eyes, and my eyes. Now, one more time, how did he do this? And the guy's like, what the heck? Simple pieces of information, no understanding. So then simple language becomes complex. And that's why Jesus said to them, the reason you cannot understand my speech is because you cannot hear my word. Say it again. The, listen, I'm saying this because we are not supposed to be functioning differently. We are supposed to be learning to deal with our hearts, the ignorance, the blindness of our, of our hearts is what we're trying to change. Well, if you just say it better, just say it one more time. And so I, I want to I make some of these things clear. This, this parable here is a foundational parable. One of the things that he says, he uh, in one of the other, I can't remember where it is, but he, he shares this parable in three different Gospels. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all parables? You need to look that up. 
find out where that is. What he's saying then is in this parable here, the message of this one will give you a key to understanding all the parables. If you understand this one, you'll get all the others. Why? Because this one is the key to growing in understanding, growing in faith. This one here gives you the key to how to progress in the kingdom of God. Now, as I go along here, you might realize that, oh, he said this before, like a thousand times. And I have. But again, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, grade one. What you learned in grade one, okay, you learned alphabet in order that you read. If you skip over the alphabet in reading, you're going to have a hard time with books from then on. Except for comic books. And even then, you know. <laughs> it blew up. So, <laughs> we can't skip this. This is essential to who you are as a spiritual believer. You've got to learn to function this way. Because if you don't learn to function in the way that he's talking about here, you will never have a changed heart. So at the end, he says, those who, uh, well, let me, let me read through his explanation really quickly so at least I know we're largely on the same page. <sighs> so his disciples asked him, okay, why do you speak to them in parables? Let me cover that one here. So he answered them and said, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Remember that? That's why I'm, I'm not telling them, I'm not explaining things for them. Because I, I don't want them to get it. Isn't that counterproductive? No, because I, I want them to get it. I just want to get a, them to get it the right way. I need them to believe you guys here, you already believe, so I can explain it to you. But I need a believing heart. Why, why is that? Because the words I'm speaking, and this is the essence of the whole parable, the words I'm speaking are just words. They're seed. They're seed. And a believing heart is good soil. Good seed is useless without good seed, soil. And so I'm not going to give them good seed for bad soil because I already know it's not going to work. So I'm challenging them in a way so as to give them an opportunity to change their heart. I want to get them to a place of belief. So I'm, everything I'm doing is to break up the fallow ground of their heart to get them to the place where they can believe so that maybe there's a chance a seed will catch and start to produce something. Jesus was ultimately... In all of his ministries, discipleship with the believers, same thing as we're trying to do here. We're sowing seeds, we're sowing seeds, we're sowing seeds. Those that get it, grow. Those that don't get it, don't grow. And those that don't grow, usually start to complain. You should teach better. I should, but that's not really the issue here. <laughs> Isn't this fun? The word is fun. There's lots of good stuff in here. So 
Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and ears and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Can you get this? What you, don't, what you have control over is what you do with your heart. If you, in humility, start to decide to own what's right and what's wrong with your heart and start to realize that it's in my power to change the soil of my heart, then you will start to do something about it. Or not, in which case you just stay as you are. But we are all given an equal opportunity here. I mean, I wanted to say this out there. I know there are some people that, are, you know, are prophetic and some people that seem to catch more what I'm saying. And the other people think, oh, I wish I had that gift so that I could understand. Uh-uh. There are nuances of that related to gifting, but it always comes down primarily to the heart. Always. Okay. Uh, and so don't... Don't think about, oh, if I had this gifting or I had this bent, if I was this kind of person, then all of this would be resolved for me. It's only about the heart. Okay? We don't want to give ourselves that excuse. So I want to say, anybody here who's still here, congratulations. Some of you, I'd like to call you out by name, that have persevered. I have looked at you week after week after week after week, and sometimes you got that glazed look over on your head and you're thinking, what is he talking about? What are we doing? What is this about? But there was enough in you that said, no, there's, this is living. This is real. That said, I don't understand, but I'm holding on. That's the key. That's the key right there. Because in, what you're actually doing is you're making a choice for life rather than for personal comfort. That and the ones that aren't willing to make that choice, which was the Pharisees and the lawyers and, and all those ones that you know hated Jesus, they stayed as they were. They didn't have to, but it was their choice. So, uh, so he, he shares his explanation. Let me try and quickly read it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Okay? This is the one who received the seed by the wayside. He is who received the seed on stony places, is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. What does that mean? His soil is thin. He's He's a nice guy in his heart on the surface, but not really deep down. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. 
But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, there's a bunch of other scriptures related to this that I could share, but I want to just go through these four different groups. First one, stony ground. No, sorry. The one who does not understand, then the wicked one snatches away what his heart was sown in his heart. Um, the first group are people who are unable to keep the word because the spiritual warfare around their lives immediately takes the seed away. And one of the, I can't go to it because there's, there's three versions and I can't remember which one it is, but, but in, in, in one of them he makes it very clear that the idea is about keeping the word. Okay, the guy with the 30, 60, 100 fold is the one who in a good heart keeps the word. Are you able to keep the word? Are you able to hold on to it? That's harder than you think. And that's one of the reasons why we're developing some of the disciplines. I don't want to get too complicated here today. But part of the reason why we do Wednesday night the way we do and part of the reason we do uh, Sunday mornings the way we do is we're training you to keep the word. We're training you to hold on to that. But here, it's very hard to hold on to something you don't understand. Proverbs says, knowledge is easy to him who understands. An understanding heart is it makes it easier for it to hold on to things. I mean, how many of you have gone into a lecture or a conversation where somebody's talking about some technological thing, either about computers or about cars or, you know, something way above your pay grade, and how many of you noticed you don't have an ability to repeat the conversation? Right? Because your ability to hold on to it hinges on understanding. And so... What happens is if that is the condition of your heart, right, a stony heart, stony soil, well, are you stuck then? Can you do nothing? No, you just need to have to, you have to be a lot more aggressive in guarding that seed. But generally, you have no regard for the seed. Therefore, it gets easily stoned away. Well, how do I have regard for a seed that I don't understand? There's other evidences all around. For example, today here, if you're in the, in the meeting, there is a presence that is here over and over and over and over and over. That presence is a witness that there's good seed. And you can either use that to hold on to the seed as motivation or you can find some reason to dismiss the presence, which anyway, we won't get into that too much. The second one, are you still with me? <sighs> the second one, okay, this is who him who received the seed by the wayside. So the wayside, sorry, I, I missed it. The wayside is, I don't even know what a wayside is. But anyway, but he who received the seed on stony ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. Very few places for that thing to germinate. 
And uh, it's interesting that when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is kind of interesting. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this really touches the area of faith, just like we were talking about when Yoshi took the offering. All right? God wants to get you to believe. God wants you to get you to, to operate in his economy. And to do that, he puts you in a place where you have to make a choice. Now, if the choice is easy, right? Do you want a million dollars or none? Oh, I'll take the million. <laughs> right? Uh, then you would just obviously make the right choice. So he, you know, creates these, these moments where you are tested. And interesting, he said, he said, God said, test me in this. But I guarantee you, when you test God, he tests you back. That's the way it works. Because you want to test me? I'll, you want to test me? That's where that line came from. That's where Al Pacino got it. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Way to go, Curtis. Movie reference. So you're going to be tested because the choice is, what are you looking at? Now, let me make this clear. Faith gives you the ability to see above the plane of the natural. And the heart that understands and holds on to the word, sees, believes above or against what the natural says. So the journey to excavating and breaking up the fallow ground of your heart involves basic choices. When you're put into a corner and you have to decide, what do you believe? And the choice is yours. I mean, I've, I've done this for years in my life, and you've heard some of the testimonies, what I've had to do. I haven't done it in the context of a job. I've done it in the context of no job, which is maybe in some ways harder. You know, I had no prospects. I had, wasn't allowed to do anything that would create prospects for me. You know, but it's just as challenging when you no longer have a contract and the economy is going down is what do you believe? Well, I believe in a God who creates something out of nothing. I believe that there's a power at work in me that's greater than the world around me and that the world around me exists by the word of God. So I'm going to participate in that world that sustains the visible world and I'm going to call those things not as though they are. I'm going to believe that God gives me the power to create wealth. I'm going to believe that God is the one who can cause scenarios and circumstances to change. And so I just believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But here's the problem when you believe. Sometimes you don't. And that's why the tension, because God is looking in Yoshi. See, you believe? Oh, yeah, I do, Lord. Do you really? I really do. Okay, don't. <laughs> okay, I, that okay, I don't moment, you know what that is? That's the breaking of the ground. Repentance. The truth. Yeah, I so wanted to be one of those guys that believed, but clearly I'm not. Well, good. You're on your way now to being one. That is the journey. 
You mean it's okay for people to, you know, to know that there's things wrong with me? There's things wrong with all of you. There's things wrong with me. Not many. Right, right, hon? We were talking about last night all the things that were wrong with me. Both of them. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when, when uh, never mind. Yeah. But the point is, all of this, it's all about changing your heart. That's the beauty of it. And that's, and, and, and uh, the wonderful thing is, is if we actually deal faithfully with this scripture, if we find, as, our, as we try to hold on to the word, as we try to, as we, no, this is true. Now, if I, ah, a week from now, if you're like, man, what was that we were, I can't even, it was so real when Pastor Mark was talking about it. Now it's like, what was that? You've already lost the word. So what do you do? You go back to the scripture. And if you go to the three places that this parable is written, you look at it, and he gives an additional uh, caveat afterwards. He said, take heed what you hear, because with the measure that which you give to it, it shall be measured back to you. What does that mean? That means is if you take care of the seed... If you give yourself to the seed, if you guard the seed, if you hold the seed, if you, if you nurture that seed, it will do something in your heart. All by itself. That's the beautiful power of the Word of God. Because, Well, what if my heart's stony? Well, then it will break up the heart if you keep holding on to it. The easiest thing will just be to, you know, lose it, but you don't have to. So anyway... Yes, I think you should. Thank you. I think um, one of the things that's complicated about this passage is the way that uh, the word understand or understood is used. There's two different kinds of understanding. There's an understanding with the mind, and there's an understanding with the heart. The understanding with the mind deals with comprehension. It deals with knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, makes us proud. God doesn't want that kind of understanding. He wants the understanding that comes from the heart. Understanding with the heart is what Mark has been already talking about. Belief, faith, value. If we value, if that's the, the measure that we input into his word, it's like this is all about receiving the word. So if we actually value the word that's coming to us, it will have great value. If we put our faith into, if we say, I, will, I believe this word, I believe the word of God, I believe what he's saying, I always go back to right from the very beginning in the garden, uh, Eve said, did God, well, Satan said, and then Eve said, did God really say? That's the challenge of our heart right now when we deal with this parable. It's like the, the seed is being offered. It's being thrown. It's being given to us every time we hear the word of God. And so do we value it? Do we believe it? Do we receive it? That's, what, that's the complication of the two different understandings. We don't want to understand with our mind anymore. Because those that don't understand with their mind don't receive it. But those that want to understand with their heart, those that want to value it, those that want to cherish it, those that want to believe in it, they are the ones that receive it. And those that receive that will be given more. Amen. And so let me throw in a plug here for 
for what you do with your time. Now, I'm not against anything, hobbies or anything like that. I like to have fun, way more than my wife. It always has to be a balance. What you do with your time, being in the Word. You know, uh, uh, David writes in Psalm 119, How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to your Word. The Word is not just information on a page. That, that's how it's expressed. That's the speech. Behind the speech is the word. Within, contained within the framework of sentences and letters and words are thoughts that express the word. The word will change who you are. The word will change. That's why he said to the, the Pharisees, the reason you can't understand my speech is because you can't hear my word. There's something taking place on a spirit level that's going from, from my, my mouth. It's, the words I speak are spirit and life, and they're going right to your heart. You can either open that and receive it or not. It, it will change you. And so part of the parable message is, listen, give yourself to the Word. I had a, a scenario when I was a young Christian because there was many. I'd read through the, the I wanted to understand every, every passage. Just every passage. And I remember I found this one. It said something like this. It said, every scribe instructed in the kingdom is like a householder brings forth both new and old. What does that mean? I understood this scripture. I said, well, I'm going to give myself to those verses. I'm just going to get, so I actually, I, I, I got the scripture out. I was in Dallas, Texas. It was summertime, so I got a blanket and went out in the, and, and suntanned while I looked at that scripture, prayed in tongues, and looked at that scripture and prayed in tongues, and looked at that scripture and reread it, reread the verses before it and the verses after it for an entire afternoon. I want you to know, before that afternoon was up, I understood exactly what that verse, those verses meant. Now, it may not always come that fast, and I'm not going to tell you what those verses mean because that's a whole other sermon, but that's how you give yourself to the Word. You meditate on the Word. You think about the Word. You speak the Word. You hear the Word. You memorize the Word. If you're not doing that, you can still be a Christian, but you won't be a great one. You won't be because you're missing the fuel that you need for change. So let me just share this last one. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, takes and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And we could say a lot about that. But he who receives the seed, but what? Sorry, sorry. Uh, receive the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some sixty, some thirty. And I know somebody's just thinking again. Well, what if I don't understand it? What do I do? You hold on to it. You go back to it. 
like those verses. I didn't understand them, I, but I gave myself to them. I gave a greater measure, and then it was measured back so that what I had would not be lost, but I wanted more so that more could be given. That's the promise that's offered. But I want to share one other dynamic here because, and it's not explicitly expressed in these verses, but you're going to see here that it's quite consistent. It's from John 5.44, but, and you don't have to turn it, but here's what it says. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says to them this. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from God? I, I think this scripture here connects very much with those who do not have uh, much root and persecution and tribulation arise. Okay. Persecution and tribulation often comes in the form of, well, if I talk about Jesus, uh, I get abused in the lunchroom, you know, or people don't like me, or I want to fit in, or I blah, 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 whatever that is. But here's what I want to say about this. The Pharisees, in this particular occasion, were people pleasers by nature. They were ladder climbers. They were socially elite. They loved being on the top of the pile. They were intelligent. They were gifted, talented people. They came from money. They had stable home lives. And so they were able to prosper because of you know, the foundations that they were given. And because of that, they were acutely focused on climbing that ladder higher. But here's what Jesus says to them. He says, how can you believe who seek for honor from one another? And I simply want to say this about that, that the nature of faith is it does not grow in certain atmospheres. An atmosphere of the heart that is always seeking the honor of men squelches faith. And that's why uh, in James when he says where there's selfish ambition and envy, there's uh, every evil thing. Because the seeking of promotion and honor and praise on this level with men is contrary to seeking the Lord. That these two are diametrically opposed to one another. That you have to be disposed. And it, 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 it takes cultivating faith. Because, well, well, you know, I'm at work. I work in a, co -cooper a, a corporation. If the bosses don't like me, uh, I won't get promoted. And, you know, I won't get raises. I won't advance in my career. And then, you know, then I can't impact the world for Jesus. <laughs> Again, faith creates new lines of provision. Faith says, no, they are not in charge of my life. Faith, uh, when, you, when you, faith is, says, listen, no, God is the God of the whole earth. God is God that promotes. God takes one down and puts another up. If you believe that, you don't care about your reputation. If you don't believe that, you can't not care about your reputation. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you have the ability to develop faith inside of you. You have the ability to grow in this thing, but it requires a certain kind of test. And one of the greatest tests today in our culture is all around fame and honor and position. 
It just, it seems to be never-ending where, I, I don't know, the thin skin that's, that's surrounding uh, our society today where people are so obsessed with being thought of well. It's unbelievable. There is no courage left. If we're going to turn this boat around, we need people of courage. And that means people of faith. People who at the end of the day, and, and this is what, I mean, the big, biggest test continuously in my life was around this. Because I, I kept thinking, God, you know, I, I, I need to be an influencer for your name. And so, you know, give me favor with these people. He said, listen, if you get favor with me, I'll give you favor with the people. Never mind the people. Well, do I not care about the people? No, you know what I mean. I'm just caring about them, Lord. No, you're not. You're brown-nosing. Stop it. Is it like, you know, we can serve the people in the name of serving God, but God, is, God knows our hearts. And God said to me, listen, I give promotion. I am the one who can distinguish you in a crowd. I am the one who can give you favor. If you believe that, then you can take a stand for righteousness. If you believe that, I mean, you can see it is the, it's a key divide for the kingdom of God. I mean, a lot of you are on social media. Some of you refuse to post anything related to your faith because you don't want to alienate people. Uh, really? Can you, can you see where we're going with this? I mean, we have no ability to influence our culture unless we raise our voices. Unless we say, I just watched a, a video this morning, I showed it to Chris, of Ben Carson, who was running for prime minister, and now is back Donald Trump, and he was on Fox News, and he, he was just so straight about his faith. He says, you know, I, I'm a follower of, of Jesus Christ, and that means this to me, and I'm, you know, my whole life, I measure everything I do according to, you know, who Jesus is in my life. And then he went on to uh, defining evangelicals as not people who go to church. He said the media was, you know, says there are people who go to church two or three times or two times a month. He said, no, there are people who believe in Jesus and who at the core of their being have Jesus for every decision, essentially. You know, he's, he guides everything about them. This is happening in national media in the middle of a dogfight of a U.S. election and you've got courageous people standing up in that arena. And most of us are covert Christians, even where we work. Now, I'm not saying, you know, be foolish and make yourself a target. I'm just saying, is there an ability to disregard the honor that comes from men? Or are we playing? And is it possible that at some level, our faith is not growing because we're seeking the honor that comes from men. How can you believe? He said, listen, it's impossible for you to have regard for men and grow in faith because to grow in faith, you have to exchange your regard for men for a regard for God.
We could have amazing faith. We could be champions of faith. We could be people who change the economy. Like faith can move mountains. God has called us in this world, in this Alberta, in this economy, to change the world if we believe. And God keeps putting it on me. He said, look, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe. And for that to happen, I got to deal with my heart. So all along the way, it's like, uh, I'm doing it again. I'm honoring men. I remember, uh, you know, it's, it's so hard to do when you're, whether in my situation, God uses somebody to supply a financial need and, you know, and then say, hmm, hmm, there's that person again. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they know I'm in need. I trust you, Lord. <laughs> you know, the, the clash of values comes to roost, and God says, listen, do you believe me or not? And I, I would just say, well, yeah, but God, how, if they don't know I'm in need, how can they know to give? Yeah, you know, sometimes I give people dreams. Some, sometimes I make people feel things. Sometimes I speak to people outright, say, give that guy money. But, you know, if you don't want that in your life, by all means, go get it yourself. <laughs> right? Hint and talk and, you know, beg. But all those devices will eventually wear thin and that well will dry up. But I'm a well, he says, that does not dry up. For your business, for your family, for healing, for changing the world. Faith draws from me. The honor for the praise of men draws from them. We want to be a people who can draw the power of heaven down here. Sometimes people ask me, well, how come you're not doing more in the way of healing? How come you're not doing more in the way? I want all of that, but I feel like what we're doing here, what we're allowing the Holy Spirit to do, is to do what he did with Solomon. Solomon could have asked for long life. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for... Instead, he asked for wisdom to, to execute his charge faithfully. And God said, because you didn't ask for this, because you asked for a higher thing, you get the higher thing and everything underneath. I believe that as we seek the kingdom of God, as we look for the manifestation of the rule of God in the earth, as we worship like we did this morning, when the breakthroughs start to come, and they are coming, and I'd love to spend some minutes sometimes sharing what I felt this morning, but we will get the kingdom and everything contained in the kingdom. So we're going to keep pressing. But let's begin with, God, do I believe? Remember the guy? Uh, if you believe. He said, I believe, Lord. I'll help my unbelief. All of us who've been in this journey have had moments where we've realized we don't believe. That is not a condemnation. That is a reality. I guarantee you, you don't believe. You believe some. You could believe more. 
we're all in that place. So you never have to be ashamed of realizing your faith is small, your faith is weak. Because if the 12 apostles that shook the earth had weak faith and small faith, who are we to think we're better? Let's just be honest. God, I don't believe. I'm afraid. I don't trust you with my kids. I don't trust you with my finances. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Good. Steve-o. This is my friend Steve-o. Uh, during worship, um, just go to that place. Um, what Mark was just addressing, I felt so compelled to come up here and talk about because what I felt like the Lord was putting in my heart was that he has veiled us and he has covered us and he has essentially protected us from ourselves. And he has not been able to release the greatness that he has intended. But what he was saying was, I still intend to release that greatness. And I do intend to remove the veil. And there has been on this property an under construction sign for a long time. And that construction is coming to completion. And what's interesting is, as I felt this, I'm like, God, this, I gave this word to Jesse. You remember this? Years ago, whatever, two, three years ago. And I've watched as Jesse was in this, this place of being under construction. I said it was like a tarp has been thrown over your life. And God is working under that place. And at some point in your life, God's going to rip it off and go, look, world, what I did here. And then I watched as Jesse submitted himself to Mark and came under him, received discipline. And God has honored that in Jesse's life. And what was interesting was, as I was thinking about what God was sharing with me this morning, I've watched Mark do the very same thing. He's come under fathers. He's received discipline and encouragement from them. And in that place, we as a body now are coming collectively to a point where God is going, the work in you, believe it or not, is complete. And it is now time to show the world what I have done in your midst. And you do not understand. It will never be this thing of, oh, I am beautiful. Why? Because look what corrupted Satan the beauty, the reality of that beauty, God has had to veil from us so that we would not become just like Satan and get booted out of heaven. So I want to declare this morning in this house that as we align ourselves with your kingdom and with your intention and with your perfect timing, O oh God, Would you unveil the work that you have brought to completion? There will be a time where healings are released in a magnitude that would blow your mind. And again, God has restrained that and waited for a people who would engage with him in faith. 
And we as a body this morning say, Father, thank you for your perfect plan over this body. Thank you for your perfect intentions over this body. We bless you, Jesus, for your, what you desire to do here in this place. And God, I pray that we would continue to stay under that cover, to stay under that prepared place until the day that you deem that now is the time. So, Father, again, we commit to your will in our, in our body, in this house. Complete the work that you have begun in our hearts. The deep places that we do not comprehend, that only you are able to see. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name, and we call for an awakening in the spirit in this place of such depth, of such magnitude, of such humility. Father, that pride would never have a root in this house again. There was a time where exposure was released upon this house, but there was too many hooks and God had to throw the tarp over and say, we'll come back to that. And that is the season that we've been in for a number of years. But because men in this house have honored God, and God always honors his word, there will be a completion that comes to this house where power is released in the realm of the spirit. And we declare it this morning that, Father, in your time and in your way, that you would release power in this house the power to draw men to salvation, the power to open blind eyes. Father, power of such magnitude that shifts nations. God, we don't want to settle. We do not want to settle. And we could have drawn a crowd many years ago through fancy music and healings and powerful moves of God, but it was not enough. God intends for more. And so, Father, we want to contend for the more. And if it looks like less in the eyes of the world, so be it. We want the more from what is in your heart for this body and for this house. And so we thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Mark. And we bless him again this morning. And we say, God, he did not understand the fullness of what he was called here for. But yet, he has been faithful to steward what he has seen. We honor him this day as he has honored men in his life and come under and surrendered his uh, where he thought would be best. And Father, we as, as this body collectively say, God, your will be done here. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, and some of you... Thank you, Steve. That was, that was opened up some some realms. But you know, sometimes I think, well, isn't isn't it our goal to draw a crowd? Uh, no. We want the right kind of crowd. Miracles don't create faith. 
Jesus said to them, he said, listen, the Pharisees in Jerusalem, he said, if the miracles that had been done here had been done up in Tyre and Sidon, so they would have repented a long time ago. So the abundance of miracles did not create a greater following. Sometimes food does, though. Jesus fed the people, and then a whole bunch came the next time. You know what he did then? He gave them things they surely would not understand. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And his disciples like, what is that? <laughs> this is a hard saying. He said, do you want to go too? Why? If you don't register that this is true without understanding it, what am I building here? And he said to them, he said, I said this because some do not believe. I'm thinning out the ranks. God thins out the ranks. He does it in the church and with unbelievers, total unbelievers, but also people in incremental levels of faith. Because there are degrees of purpose that simply require more faith. And if you're not cutting it for the purpose of the realm he's put you in, then he'll downgrade you to another realm that requires less faith. You don't lose your salvation. You just lose part of your destiny. Which in the end, is better than losing your salvation, so. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are profound things God is showing us. And uh, we're just trying to believe. But I, on the other side, on the other side, what's happening in the nations, and I wish I could take you all with me to some of the things I get to be part of. And they're not necessarily all massive and brilliant and glorious and, you know, eye-catching. Um, but they're extremely, extremely significant. And it's just an honor to be counted worthy to be a part of that. And because I'm part of it, you're part of it. And because my faith is being tested, your faith is being tested. But it's all worth it. Amen? Love you guys. As I look around, just so glad for the relationships and the people and the different gifts and the way God has called you to serve. Bless you all.